0: Woohoo! Hallelujah! Amen. You ready? They are ready. Amen. That's good. Good, good, good. Well, let's turn somewhere in the Bible. Yeah. James 4 6. So, how you doing? (laughs) How are you? Good. Have you had a good day? Yep. Awesome. Yeah, I didn't get soaking wet in the rain for the last two days. I got soaking wet in the rain at the soccer practice. Today, uh, we stopped before it started raining, so Hallelujah. My car, I'm getting into it, smells like mildew, because I've had everything soaked, and it goes into the car, and then I'm like, just I need some days that I can air it out, so amen. (laughs) But we need the rain, so I want it to rain a whole lot, so, Um, well, I want to jump right in, but I feel like the Holy Spirit says, hold on, so let's just, let's pray. So Lord, we just praise you. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. Yeah, okay. So Lord, we just, we praise you. We don't come into this tonight with small expectation. We come in with large expectation. You're going to move tonight. You're going to move in us. You're going to change things in us. And just right now, just just say say it to yourself. You can shout it if you want to. You can say it light. But something's changing in me tonight. Yeah, something's changing in me. God is changing things in me tonight. Yeah. God is making a difference. My life is not going to be the same after tonight. Because the seed of the Word will produce fruit when it hits the fertile and expectant soil of my heart tonight. Thank you, Father, for your seed, and thank you for your fruit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen. Are you going to get something out of it? Yeah, amen, praise God. Well, and we've been talking about humility and grace, and we've been talking about humility and grace for quite some time now, and we've probably got some time to go. So, um, but it's good because of this verse right here. It says, but he gives a greater grace. Now, what that means is, uh, I know y'all never see any problems come up. Your life is so perfect, and, and I, need, I, know, I know I need to work on me, but when you do, if you ever do, hit one of those problems, praise God that there's a grace that's greater than your problem. That's what this is talking about. So if you ever happen to hit one of those moments, you know, just ever happen to, you know, you probably won't. But if you ever do, he's given a grace that's greater. Amen. Amen. He's given a grace that's bigger than your problem. And this is a promise you can have ahead of time. So in other words, when you get to the problem, you already know, hey, I'm already in a better position. In other words, you know, it's kind of one of these numbers. My problem, and here's my grace. Problem, here's my grace. My grace is greater than the problem. It's already like that. So here's the thing. No matter what you fill in, in the blank here for a problem, no matter what you fill in, no matter how big the problem is or what its name is, makes no difference. My grace is already greater yeah. than the problem. Yep. Amen? Amen? That right there, that's good. Amen. Good night. See you. Have a good one. That's a big, if you get that, you're you're in good, you, yeah, for real, like I'm, no, that's not happening. You're not going yet. All right, so here's the thing. You get that, though, you get that, That will solve more issues in your life than what you can throw a stick at. But, you don't have that greater grace simply just because Jesus paid for it. What? In other words, you have greater grace... Because you decide it's paid for already, but you make the decision whether or not to step into it or not. That's the issue. So you've got to humble yourself to the things of God. Think about this. Greater grace is given in the form of salvation. So all of the spiritual problems are wiped out when they receive greater grace through Jesus Christ. But how many people? Does everybody receive him? No. But do they have to pay a price for it? Pay a price for Christ? No. It's a free gift. But they do have to, in obedience, by faith, step into that greater grace. So in other words, there's an act of obedience in faith. Okay? So faith moves into a place of grace it's the same way in every other area of your life where you need salvation, every place where you need salvation. The gift is already there. It's free. It's there. But you might not have stepped into it yet. Yeah. And you need to, but through humility, step into that place of grace. So let me erase this just so it's not clouding up the board. But remember that. you You might even want to put that on a piece of paper and put it right in front of the mirror. You know, put it on your mirror at home and don't, like, stick it up in the corner. Put it right where your face is so that you got to dodge around it and it'll remind you to read it that his grace is greater than whatever you fill in the blank. But also remember that in order to be in that grace, you need to be operating in humility. The rest of the verse says God is opposed to the proud. So in other words, the prideful person is already in opposition to God. They're already going the opposite direction that God is going. Well, that's a bad place to be. Because no matter how you cut it, ain't nobody stronger than God. And if he's going a direction and you're going the other way, you're going to lose. The one who goes with him is the humble one. They're the ones that's going to win. They're the ones that's going to be in that grace. So we got to get humble. He says he gives a greater grace, therefore it says God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Well, we want to get, we want to line up with God. We want to line up. And that takes that some takes, um, willingness to look at ourselves and say, I might be wrong. And, and the, better, the better statement is, I probably am wrong. In some stuff. And probably the even better statement than that is I am wrong. Because the truth is, all of us are. All of us got something where we're missing it. Otherwise, if we weren't missing it, we would know all there is to know about God and we would be like Him and walking like Him, and problems would be melting in front of us because of that. A lot of times, your problem is a good symptom that there's something in your life that's outside of grace. I'm not saying that's an absolute. You know, sometimes you have problems because you are doing the right things. You know, we face that a lot here at Boomerang. We have faced that a lot where we're doing the right things, The devil sees it. He wants to stop it. But a lot of times, if you see areas in your life, this is a really good indicator. You start having problems, and we talked about this the other week, you get angry or you get upset or tense or tight over something. It's generally a symptom where inside of you there's a pride and not a humility, and you need to check that. It's a great way, it's kind of like if you go to the stove and you start feeling heat because you Got, you got uh, nerve endings there that tell you there's heat there, don't touch it. Well, if you start feeling inside of yourself anxiety, stress, uh, lack of peace, anger, anything like that, all of a sudden you ought to be saying, where is it that I'm outside of grace? Yeah. Because this is an indicator of that. Somehow, some way, I'm outside of grace. And here, here's the other thing. And I told them to draw big circles. They were listening. Praise God. Amen. Here's the other thing. Um, let's say that this is the timeline of your life. And since we were talking about being all in, we'll say this is the all in moment here. And let's say that over here you conquered some stuff and put down the flesh, okay? Well, just because... let Somebody throw me out something that they have had to put down as when they started growing in maturity, just an area. Cussing. cussing, all right. So let's say that cussing right here is one of those that you put down, right? So do you think That cussing is never going to try to reappear in your life once you put it down. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. But isn't it something that once we put it down once, we feel like it's over? We feel like it's gone, it's in the past, and I'll never have to deal with that anymore. That's what we would call arrival mentality. But the problem is, even though you cross this line, let's say you're way over here. Let's say you're way over here, right? That doesn't mean that you don't have a flesh anymore. You still have a corrupted flesh. And so the person that thinks that cussing will never come back up as a temptation to them, they are fooling themselves and they are setting themselves up for a trap. As long as you're on this earth with this corrupted flesh, before we have a glorified body, you are going to have a tendency and temptation to sin. Now, you can learn, here's what you're learning. You're not necessarily learning to put down each, every individual thing. What you're learning is to put down the flesh, period. This is I you learn to recognize what the flesh sounds like. Generally a brat kid throwing a fit, pointing at everything godly. That's that's the flesh, right? The generally it's the thing that screams the loudest in your head. That's generally the flesh cuz God's pretty much a gentleman. You know, the 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 voice inside going, "I want to do this." Yeah, that's the flesh. That's it. Y'all have heard that before, right? And and but 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 uh well uh, that's the flesh. All of that. That's the flesh, okay? And and I know I know that y'all have y'all have matured and you haven't heard that recently, so I wanted to remind you. So amen. Proverbs twenty two four. The reward of humility And the fear of the Lord, again, fear means extreme reverence of the Lord, are riches, honor, life. So humility's rewards are riches, honor, life. I wish, I wish, I really wish I could almost, this would be such a great lesson If you could tell somebody, if you could spread your thoughts out throughout one day and have somebody who knows godly humility and pride, and they would go, humility, humility, pride, 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 pride. And we'd find out that we were a lot less humble than what we think we are, (laughs) which kind of goes along with that. We would think, you know, because we're thinking, well, I'm humble. And then we want to go tell everybody about it and act like it in front of everybody. <laughs> which is the exact opposite. But see, this is just it. We would find, like, if, if we really allowed the Holy Spirit to examine our life, we would find out that we're not as close to that as what we think we are. Yeah. And when we think that we're close to that, that's the problem. The thought that you're close to it is the problem, knowing that you have a corrupted flesh. So, and you can see here, so God gives a greater grace to humility, riches, honor, life, Proverbs twenty nine, twenty two, and 23, an angry man stirs up strife, and a hot-tempered man abounds in transgression, both of those are, th- are areas of pride. A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. So the, the point that I really want you to see here is this. Don't we need humility? Let me put it this way. Don't we need more of it? Don't we need more than we have? And But how are you going to get it? and and this is this is where american society it it just does not it does not go well here how are you going to get more humility you got to be wrong you got to be a loser and not a winner in other words you got to be willing to have been bad at something and our american society is like huh uh huh uh in other words it it's kind of like this I don't get to win until I'm willing to go through the basics and set up the foundation that's right. But here's the problem. Most of our foundation, well, not most, all of our foundation here in America has been wrong. It's been set up on the wrong things. Not because America's bad, it's just corrupted society. It's probably that way in most parts of the world. The only reason why I say America is because I grew up here, I'm familiar with it. You know. But the truth is, our foundation's off. What well, we've been taught off from the things of God. And so if the foundation's off, well, where's the top of the tower going to be? It's going to be swaying in the wind and so just so ready for the devil to strike it and knock it down. And we won't stand. We won't have strength. So, in other words, in order for us to get to a winning place, what we've got to do is be willing to have been wrong all of our life and go back and dig up some stuff. Well, you know, how much we love change, you know. Everybody loves to change, right? (laughs) Where'd all those go? (laughs) Everybody loves that. So humility, in order to go to greater grace, uh, riches, honor, life, in order to go into uh, the honor, a humble spirit obtains honor, we've got to be willing to be wrong. We've got to be will, willing to go back and change some stuff. Not, and, and everybody's like, yeah, I don't like that, but yeah. but this, Recognize what we're saying here that you're agreeing with. Recognize this, because this is a big deal. Because most people will, yeah, 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 in church, but then they don't move towards humility. So why not? Because they agree in theory, but in practice, this is what that means. Everything you ever thought has the potential to be off yep. to this point in your life. Yep. Everything. And here's the thing about God now. Now, that's a big deal. In other words, you have been living by the principles of your foundation for your whole life. And what I'm telling you is, in order to move towards humility, you've got to be willing to throw it all in the pot of God and see what gets burnt up and what remains. That means... Everything about you could possibly change yeah. if you're going to get godly. Yeah. Now, with a regular person, like if you were bringing that stuff to me and me alone, all by my lonesome and without God, you'd be in trouble. But when you take that stuff to God, it's a different situation. Yeah. You know? And me, when I'm you know, anointed to help you, and give you those things, I can help in that situation, but not by myself. In other words, what I'm saying is God is worthy of your trust. Mankind is not, and mankind includes your brain. So in other words, you've got, in order to get into humility and talk about this real change and move into riches and honor and wealth and the things of God and be not opposed to God but flow with Him and produce fruit for the kingdom of God, in order to do all that, you've got to be willing to give your whole life. You you see how this and the all-in message is going? Humility goes right hand in hand with it. And this is the problem. Because, all right, so let, let me hear, I know, <laughs> since we've been talking about all in and humility and grace, let's just hear some examples of some things that God has been talking to you about, or maybe some of those things that you really have not wanted to give up, but you felt the Holy Spirit as a gentleman go, hey, uh. This is one of those things you shouldn't be doing. Or this is one of those things you should be doing. What are some of those things? He showed me where I wasn't submitting where I thought I was submitting to my husband. Yeah. And that was like... Submitting submitting to your husband. What's some other ones? Worry and doubt. Worry and doubt. How long have you worried and doubted? Couple of hours ago, <laughs> most of your life worrying out. So you're talking about changing your whole personality, but I thought that was your person. Now I'm picking on you, but I'm tell- to picking on everybody else, including myself. But I th- that's how God made you to worry. Isn't that natural? Well, no, it's not natural. What's some other stuff? Anger. Anger, handing over. Well, that's a big deal. That's a big portion of people's lives. I mean, they would not look the same. Didn't God make people passionate? Isn't there a righteous anger? This is all the things the devil says to get you to hold on to things God told you to give away. Control and trust. Control and trust. All right, These are all like character issues. Tell me some of the stuff that's physical, like the things you like to do. Tell me some of those things. Cut the TV off. How much TV? I mean, like, how much does he really want you to give up? How much is he asking you right now? Turn it off. So in other words, he might be telling you to turn it off for good. Could be, right? Now, you might not be. He might not be right now. And he might want you to watch certain things at different times, but it's possible that he could say, turn the thing off for good. What if he asked you to do that for the rest of your life? video Video games. What if he told you never to play one ever again? What he has is better, yeah. What's some other stuff? Things you like. Music. Like secular music? Just music. Ungodly music. What it, so in other words, let me, hold Okay, hold on. What, what about if he told you to never turn the radio on again ever? I mean for the rest of your days here on earth. Well, you, if he asks you, you could do it, but here's the thing. Here, this is what I'm saying. See, people, they, they want to be able to maybe, well, I'll do it for a week. Yeah. <laughs> ah, I'll do it for a week. Look at me. I'll fast the radio for a week. That's not all in. We got to be willing for him to say, I don't want you to listen to music anymore, and that's not go. Okay, for a month? No, your life. This is humility. (laughs) Because why? You're trusting God to know more than you know. See, if we're not willing to give that stuff up or do things that we weren't doing, we're really not trusting God. And if we're not trusting God, here's what we're saying. I know more than you do. So if we're not willing to change and we're not willing to give up or do things that he's leading us to do, what we're saying is, I know how to do this better than you, God. I know what I need. And you just put yourself in opposition. What's some other stuff? Sugar. What if God said no more sugar? Hold on. We'll get back. What about sugar? No Krispy Kreme, no hot signs, no Dairy Queen, <laughs> no, dairy queen. No, blizzard. no blizzards, no upside down, <laughs> Not even what want. no tea. Let's <laughs> oh, see. Now that's good. He said they're splendid. But here's the thing: our brain and our flesh go straight to how am I going to replace that in my life? Yeah. How am I going to replace it? Here's how you're going to replace it. You're going to do whatever God says to do. Be obedient and let him bring the replacement to you. And you're not going to try to supersede it or bring it ahead of time. And what you'll find is his replacement was actually not the replacement. It was the original. And the other thing was the counterfeit. Time. So, you know. How uh, I could go a lot of directions with time, but I'm trying to whittle it down into a usable example. But just what? What if he said, "Every waking moment that you have free for the rest of your life, I want it to be serving me. Yeah. That you don't get to choose what you do with your time anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that's you know what that's called?" <laughs> All in. <laughs> that's what that's called. Yeah. How much? Yeah. Here, here's the thing, though. Yes. 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 We here's the thing, though. If you what you're doing, if you're not willing to say, "Lord, my time is yours," what you're saying is. I know what I need. Lord, you stay out of this area and I'll give you this area. What's that called? Pride. Now we're talking about some real stuff here. But see, there's ministries that are not flourishing. There's Christians that are not growing. There's Uh, people that are starving there's people that are going to hell there's people that are being hurt there's people in the image of God that are not receiving because Christians have in pride said this is my area God stay out and that's pride not humility and we were talking about this the other night and when we did that rope the other time all it's like the world has told us to make all of our decisions you remember we had the 100 foot rope that went all the way around the church and and Our period of life on it was like an inch long, but there was a hundred foot that represented eternity, which really can't even represent eternity because it had an end to it. But what they've done is they've made a priority. Everything that they make a decision about, the priority is made for that one-inch section, and they've completely thrown out the weight of eternity. Whereas what they should be doing in that one inch is making the priority and everything, all of their decisions should be based off of eternity instead of the one inch segment, their lifetime, because it's a vapor. And when we do that, that's pride and it's not humility and it's not the kind of people that are going to end up in heaven with a good report. It's the kind of people where they get up in front of Jesus and they're like, welcome to heaven, which is awesome. But you're really going to want to hear, well done. And you don't hear well done by operating in pride and making all of your decisions based off of what happens during this lifetime. And so what happens is, going back to time... When we say, well, this is my box, the reason why you think it's your box is because you're focused on that one-inch period of your lifetime. But if you recognize the weight of eternity and the weight of the things of God, you step back and go, I shouldn't even have a box. The only reason I have a box, that he lets me make a choice is because he loved me, he paid for me. So why should I think that I should have a right to choose, you. The only reason I have a right to choose anything is because you paid for me with your blood, Jesus. That's the only reason why I have a right to do anything. And so, what makes me think that I should take that right to choose and make it myself, make the choice myself? What makes us say that? Pride. Humility says, "My goodness." If you died for me, then I'm going to take my choice and I'm going to kill it for you. That's right. And now I can move in humility and now God can bless it. And, and what he does is always better than what we had planned anyway. Yeah. It's always. And you think about it with Abraham when, when God, uh, God told him to uh, leave his country, yeah. he's leaving his family, he's leaving his way of life. He's leaving all of that. Eventually, God tells him to kill his son. And and see, we know the end of the story, but Abraham didn't. Abraham didn't know what was going to happen, except he did know that he trusted God. But he was about to plunge the knife. In his heart, he had already committed to it. It had already been done, it tells us in Hebrews, shows us. But he didn't know how that thing, you know, the next thought in his head is, my boy's about to bleed out for good. And I believe God's going to raise him up because he didn't make me a promise, but he's about to draw blood on his own son. He, you got to think about before he's leaving his country and he's going south to a land that the Lord will show. I mean, you got to think, he's probably sitting there going, to a land that you will show me. Who are you? I mean, it could just be in my head. It could just be me losing it. (laughs) Do you not think he thought that? I would say, I mean, this might just be me. I can tell you we thought that. She mentioned earlier about selling the company, and people thought we had lost it when we made that move. And and for uh, several moments, I was like, did we lose it? Because I wasn't sure. We kept seeking the Lord, and we really got humble in our hearts so that we could hear from him clearly, and we knew it was him. We just knew it was God, and it was. But you think about Abraham's thought process when he's, lo- he's losing in his mind, in his physical, logical, fleshly mind. I'm losing everything. But I'm willing, for do- I'm willing to do it. But think about this. He didn't have the Bible to know the character and nature of God yet. We, got, we know the character and nature of God. We ought to be doing backflips to do the things for God. And yet here's Abraham. He doesn't even have the Bible to know God's character and nature. And he says, but I trust you. No wonder he's the father of faith. We should take some cues from that. Because we do know the character and nature and God in fullness. We saw it in Jesus Christ. So we can basically go and say, man, I make a choice for God. It's going to end up well. But look at what Abraham had. What was his, he was probably going to have a nice, uh, maybe a cushy life, Right? Maybe, and in his mind what he's figuring, hey, I'm in the family, he's he's probably in the family business, they're well established, at least a little bit more than he was when he picked up everything and left, they were more established than that. And so here he is thinking, I'm probably going to have a pretty cushy life, right? But yet, I'm going out here risking it all with nothing. Now, the problem with that is, had he stayed there, the best place you can ever be is where God tells you to be. In other words, you're more safe in a war if God's told you to be there than you are at home in your bed if you're in disobedience. You're more safe in obedience always. So, had he stayed there, he would have been in disobedience. It might not have been as good as what he was thinking. But you know logic had to be saying, this is a nice place. Dad's here. My family's here. But what happened? He trusted God. He stepped out into the unknown. He humbled himself to have faith in God. He went. He comes up. He gets rich, so rich, so rich, so rich. He defeats his family and servants, goes and defeats five kings, wins Lot back. He's got so much stuff, he can't see as far as his stuff is. He can, as far as he can see, it's his. They have so many servants, they have to split them off because there's just so much stuff. In other words, his end was definitely different from his beginning. I can guarantee you that that was a much better place than had he stayed there. But he never would have experienced it and never would have been there had he not humbled himself to what God said. Every single one of you has that same potential if you'll humble yourself to God. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a verse, let, we can put that up in, um, this is not in the notes, but it's First um, Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6, I believe. We'll see if I'm right. Yep. It says, but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Now, if you read this, go back and read this whole chapter. When it says great gain, it's not just talking about spiritual stuff here. It's talking about physical, material stuff. So when he says this, he's he's saying material things. Godliness, this is a great promise right here. When you move into true godliness, gain will follow you. Not just gain, great gain will follow you. When accompanied by contentment. There's there's the catch. Because most of us are not content at all to trust the Lord. So go to two verses later in verse eight and it explains what contentment is. And it says, Contentment, if I have if we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. Well, Covering can either be clothes or it can be a roof over your head, and I'll leave that up to you. But basically what it says is, if I got food and I got a covering, I should be content with that. Yeah. So let me put it this way, here's humility, and, and this, is, this is a big deal. If you don't get this, you don't understand this, you, it's hard for you to move into fullness of Humility. Take everything in your life, everything except for food and a covering, all of your time, all of your talents, car, house, because it didn't say house, it said covering. That could be a tarp and clothes. Take it all, and are you content to only have left food and clothing? Are you, are you content with that? Well, I, can, I, I don't even want to look at y'all. Y'all like, shut up, Brian. <laughs> but here's the thing. If you're not willing to go down to that and give it all away, you're not content. And if you're not content, you don't move into the fullness of godliness. And you definitely don't move into great gain. It's that person that's content that God can bless and think about it with Abraham. What was he humbled to go to? He went down to basically his tent, his clothes, and, and, he, and he could hunt. He was leaving everything else behind. Giving it all away, you know, in our terms today, in Jesus' name. And that includes time. Time's a big one. Includes money. Includes all of that. And, and we don't talk about that a whole lot because most of the time preachers are like, no, I want you to have a bunch of stuff because then you can bless, bless us and bless me. So a lot of times they don't go to this level. You know, because here's the thing. Let's say that Miss Dixie is absolutely rolling in it and she is blessing the church up and down. amen Amen. praise god yeah amen. amen prophesy right amen so let's say that she's doing that well what if god tells her to give it all away well here's the thing and most you know a lot of people would have trouble with this let's say that you are you know the major supporter of the church and the ministry well, generally what happens is that person in charge like, oh, no, no, don't give it all away. And so we come up with excuses so you won't be, won't be content. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we preach that way. I've got to be willing for all of y'all to have nothing so that y'all can have everything. Absolutely. That's the difference. Yep. Because that's the way that actually works. Yep. This other way, it's a facade. Yep. It's just the face of a corrupted world. And it doesn't work. It'll fade away. Yeah. Yeah. So here, here's the thing. And, and let, me, let me just make this really real. You know. So tomorrow God tells you. How many, how many people own your home? Okay. How many people have vehicles? Alright. So tomorrow God tells you to give it away. Give your vehicle away. Give your home away sell it give it all to's whatever go in other words <laughs> financially speaking go back to zero how many of us would be okay with that You might think that for the split second, but in about thirty minutes, reality is going to start knocking at your door in the version of the flesh. Yeah, yeah. And he says, "Go to zero. and you're going to be. Then all that logic is going to start thinking. If I do that, I've got to do this and this and. Yeah. I thought I was done working. Yeah. I, th- I had a plan. And Deb said it. I had a plan. And that's, now where's that fear coming from? Yeah. Because your faith is more in the I than it is in the God. Yeah. This is the kind of questions that he asked great people of God, is what he asked Abraham. This is what he also asked the rich young ruler who was probably anointed to be an apostle, probably was supposed to take Judas's place. Most scholars agree to that. I agree with it as well. Probably. Do you think that Jesus just went around and threw that out to anybody? I mean, this was a very personal charge to this man. And he says, Think about this. How many people along the road did Jesus, outside of the disciples, how many people did he say, come and follow me? Most of them, when they came, he said, stay in your area, go tell people about the good news, or don't, one or the other. But none of them did he say, come and follow me, that I can remember, except for the rich younger ruler. So in other words, there were great things lined up. But the person that's able to do it has to be willing to go back to zero because they have to be content with basically food and covering. This is humility. And then here's the great thing. I'm not asking you for anything tonight. So this is a great time to have this message. But if you don't examine this in your life, where are you living? If you don't examine this and know answers to this, what if God did and you haven't already settled it in your heart? Is your mind renewed to contentment and humility or is it continuing to live in pride and discontentment? This attitude is why God can't ask you to do it and probably hasn't been. He's probably been asking you to give an extra hour a week to serve the kingdom or something like that. And we've been like, oh, Lord, I'm just too busy. Don't you know what my schedule is? He's probably been asking you just to submit to leadership. And you're like, well, you just don't know what they're doing. So we can't do it in these little things. How are we, is he going to ask us the big things? This is humility, and what does it lead to? Grace, and greater grace. We all want the greater grace, and trust me, it's available to you. But the issue of the heart that's holding it back because we're putting ourselves in opposition is we're not willing to let go of what we consider ours. And so we don't operate in the grace. It kind of works like this. Either you can toe the line and fix all your problems in your life, in your pride, or God can fix them in your humility. But the world has taught us to rely on our plan, on our nest egg, on our savings account. The world has taught us to rely on our comfort. And so we've built a foundation on those things And it's all messed up from the beginning. And so you see Christians walking around. And there's so very few of them that are walking in grace. Much less greater grace. And it's not a payment. It's just a matter of do you trust and love God? Do you believe what he said? That's really what it is. Do you believe what he said? He wouldn't ask you for the things he's asking you. If you weren't able to do them. You know, uh, recently, um, Stephen was laughing at me yesterday. I think he was praying for me too. and uh, Because, you know, the school needed a middle school soccer coach. Well, I'm swamped as is. I mean, like, free time is, there ain't much of it. But... Just because I don't have free time doesn't mean that God's not asking me to do it. That doesn't mean... Maybe, maybe, God's asking me to sow this time into these kids so that He can reap a... That He can get me to a place to reap a harvest of time that I need. But if I'm so prideful that I just turn it down before I even check with God on it and don't humble myself to him, then I might miss the opportunity to actually break out of the, out of the things that I need to break out of. But that's learning how to be content with just a couple of little things so that God can move into those areas. So there's all kinds of things. This was really funny and fun at first, and now it's like a real somber. Yeah, it's, this, is, this is the kind of stuff we need to hear. We need this kind of change in our life. Because you know what? There's some young person, some old person out there, and you know what they need more than anything? They need somebody to come by that's got grace walking in them, operating yeah. in them. They need somebody that's operating in greater grace. They need somebody that knows how this stuff works. Because they're tired of playing the game. They've been trying everything that hasn't been working. But they need somebody that knows the answers. And the person that knows the answers is the one who's learned how to operate in this grace. And here's the thing, did people, I was talking to somebody this morning, did people come to Jesus because he was in shambles and he didn't know how to do stuff? Or did they come to Jesus because he was the shining light of the goodness of God? He had it together. Why? Because he had humbled himself from an early age. He had the answers so many times we want to have the answers for somebody, but we're not willing to sow the maturity and the time in God to grow after it, to go after those things and grow. We want to be there. We want to be the, I can tell you, almost every minister at some point, I mean, they dream of the big church and the, and the stage and the lights and the, you know, people calling them for interviews. And, you know, almost every one of them thought that at some point on some level. But they didn't come to Jesus. They didn't come to Jesus because he wanted the stage. They came to Jesus because he had the answers, yep, that's right. because he had worked on himself, that's really because he had to put the flesh under too. Because he had taken the time, and this is what we were talking about this morning, the main ministry that they had, you want a ministry? Get yourself mature. Get yourself up there. Why? Because even if you're not the one that's supposed to be the one in front of everybody, there's somebody that is in front of everybody that needs you to be mature. In other words, don't just be satisfied with, well, I got a living for myself, my family. You'll hear people say, my, myself, my four, and no more. In other words, we're good. We're paying all our bills. We don't have anything. Well, that's great. But it's also incredibly selfish because there's a lot of other people that could use your maturity. There's a lot of other people. Well, if you got extra time and you could produce an extra fifty dollars or $100,000 a year income because you're so taken care of and now you just have all this free time, what if you just did something to produce and sow it into somebody who's actually doing something in the kingdom of God? What could actually happen then? A lot. But the problem is we got a bunch of Christians and that they're not willing to go back to zero. They're not willing to give it all to God because they have a plan, they have stuff, and they got to be willing to rewrite everything. And this is one of the cool things I've been thinking about this a lot recently. And I don't know why I, the Holy Spirit's been bringing it up to me, but be willing to throw away stuff even if it's if you think it's God. Now, that may sound strange to you, but even, even the greatest things of God, be willing to throw them away just like that and, and go back and search the Scriptures and search the heart of God. Here's why. Because if it really is God, it'll stand the test yeah. of your examination. Yep. And you'll know even more sure when you come back to that revelation. Revelation. One of the worst things that people can do is think they know something about God, and it never was actually God, but they're never willing to throw it away because they thought it was from God. And so then they have this whole thing that they're saying, this is God, and it's not. In other words, anything, any plan of God, be willing to throw it away. You know, I thought when I bought uh, that business, I thought I was going to have it forever and I was going to honor my father because it was his business. I bought it from him originally. I thought I was going to have it forever. The thing that made me hold on the most was I didn't want to give it up. I wanted to honor my dad. I thought this was God's plan for me to, to just kind of be this bright light for God and for my dad in this business that we had. But we go on down the road, and God, you know, that was Brian's thought. But I turned it into God's thought. And as I humbled myself, I found out that wasn't God's thought. Matter of fact, if I'd have held on to that, I would have been completely out of the will of God. Matter of fact, if I'd have held on to that, there probably wouldn't be a boomerang church. Almost assuredly not. If I'd have held on to it. Yeah, praise God. But I thought it was God. And it took me two years to figure out, man, that was me. But I had to be willing to throw that idea away in order to get to that place. In other words, I had to humble myself in order to get to that place where God could talk to me and show me what actually was his plan again. Humility is such a huge key in the Christian's life. And it leads us to the place where His grace is greater. What about this last example? Um, what about if you know, somebody offends you and they were legitimately wrong and you have a right to be upset or to hold something against them? And God says, forgive them. See, a lot of times we don't want to let go of that. Or or maybe there's a lawsuit. I can remember somebody that we ministered to years ago, and uh, they were just so much in a tizzy because somebody owed them some money. And I believe, you know, in the scheme of things, they were probably right. Somebody did owe them. But I told them, I said, this is going to be a long process, and you may never see anything from it. But the biggest thing is, until it's over if you don't if you're not willing to give it up you lost your peace yeah. and I saw from that moment years go by and that person wasn't willing to give it up and they had no peace for years and years and years and years doesn't matter if you have a right to sue them. doesn't matter if you have a right to be mad We're supposed to be content with food and clothing and that says nothing about holding on to what you have rights to. In other words, you're supposed to take your rights as a Christian and offer them to God. That's what being a Christian is. Because Jesus had a right to be God. To be with God in heaven. And he said... I'm going to put my rights aside so that I can go save a world. Amen. Amen. That's humility. Amen. Amen. Amen? Lord, we just thank you. You have given us the ability To walk in that humility. You've given us ability to walk in a multiplied grace in our life. You've given us an ability to mature. You've given us an ability to prosper. To get great gain. But the biggest thing is, Lord, you've given us the ability to serve you. To work with the creator of the universe. To be a part of your family. To be a brother and sister to the king of kings. What an honor that you would ask us to do anything. Your word says that one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. One day, Lord, to serve in your courts as the lowliest servant is better than anywhere else. It's better than everything. What an honor and an opportunity when you ask us to examine our lives simply so that you can move us into humility, <laughs> and then you reward us with your greater grace. What an honor. What an opportunity. Lord, We, I, seriously, this flesh, this corrupted flesh, has really pulled the wool over our eyes at times about how good we actually have it with you. It's tried to make the good things the things that are actually bad for us. And it says the bad things are the good things of you. Lord, let us right now humble ourselves so that our hearts sees the truth of who you are. May the veils of deception, the veils of pride be dissolved and swept away. And may humility take root in us like it never has before. And Lord, not only will we walk in humility, but we will walk in a grace that's greater. And we praise you for it. Lord, we give. We forgive. We serve. We honor you. And Lord, let every act and every thought worship you in humility, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great night. Thank you for being here.